Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Final Space, which we'll be getting into right now. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Mel Moyer. Hello. And Alex Bonilla. Hola. Uh, welcome to our Final Space coverage here at Overly Animated. Uh, Final Space is a new TBS adult animated sci-fi series premiering on February 26th, uh, uh, although it is already it is already online, and I think it had a sneak peek airing on TNT, so you can check it out online. That's how we saw it. And uh, we are going to be recapping every episode of Spinal, Final Space here at the Overly Animated Podcast. Uh, you can find us at OverlyAnimated.com. Basically, we cover a bunch of animated shows, uh, including a few adult uh, animated comedies like Rick and Morty and BoJack Horseman. Um, and we have a main iTunes feed if you search for Overly Animated. Um, and we also will have a Final Space-specific iTunes feed. Uh, look for if you search Overly Animated Final Space, you should find that. If not, it'll be up pretty soon. Uh, and you could subscribe that to just get our Final Space recap podcast. We'll be doing, um, I guess there'll be eight more weeks of the show, assuming they don't double up like they did with the first two. And uh, we'll have recap podcasts talking about each episode every week for Final Space. We're very excited for the show uh, created by Owen Rogers, um, featuring a bunch of awesome uh, people in the voice cast. Uh, definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, if you have not seen it yet and you want to keep listening to hear our, our takes on it first, that's all right. Although we will be getting into spoilers potentially immediately. Although I think it's fine because these are just introductions to the show. Uh, if you hear what happens in the episodes, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, only other note is that, uh, this, uh, our, our content warning depends on what type of show we're covering here on the Overlanded Podcast. And considering this is an adult show, we will have a uh, explicit tag up on iTunes for this feed. So cursing and et cetera allowed. Um, so warning for that. But uh, let's get into these first two episodes of Final Space, chapters one and two. I believe that uh, we'll just have the episode names are just chapter one, et cetera. Uh, so it's pretty easy. Uh, but yeah, Mel, uh, what did you think of these first two episodes? Um, so the thing that drew me into the show from the get-go was the TBS ads with, um, it's Hugh, right? I think it's... The, I, the computer, yeah. Yeah, Hugh. yeah, Hugh basically doing the, um, Space Odyssey bit. Um, I, it's interesting because it's like, it wasn't as adult as I thought it was going to be. And when I did a bit more research, I saw that it was pitched to Cartoon Network and I was like, okay, that, you know, maybe makes a little bit more sense than TBS just because I feel like TBS's adult cartoons are, you know, American Dad, Family Guy. This is more in the realm of, I guess, like Bob's Burgers mm-hmm. um, and that sort of thing. That being said, I found it very funny. I love the sci-fi. Um, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, and overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, without getting too much into it right away. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into more specifics later. But yeah, Alex, uh, what are your impressions of these first two episodes? Uh, I also thought it was a, a solid opening to a show. Right now, the tone is a little strange where it's like, it, I can't really classify it as a comedy just because it, it feels, the, the jokes feel a bit farther than the comedies we currently cover here, like Rick and Morty and Bojack Horseman. They're just a bit more spread out. But at the same time, the dramatic moments, uh, obviously because we haven't established the characters for too long, but because of that, the emotional, the dramatic moments just feel a bit over the top and they don't really land in that aspect either. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how this ends up developing. But uh, like to me, it hits the sweet, it hits a sweet spot in terms of the, the kind of humor it does. It's, it, it doesn't feel over the top for the most part. Uh, uh, I I enjoy Gary. Um, his uh, just form of being is <laughs> just like uh, it's amusing to watch. Uh, um, all in all, I'd, I'd say it's it's definitely a show that I was interested in from the pilot, just because of its more dark humor. And the, uh, the, these first two episodes, I don't think were as dark as the pilot, but still, it it does kind of follow a, a sort of similar tone. So I'm definitely interested to see how they end up handling that that balance between trying trying to be a comedy, but also like you're you're doing an overarching plot with uh, with the dramatic elements thrown in every once in a while. So, uh, uh, but the, these first two episodes I think were strong for being first two episodes of a show. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you referenced the pilot. Uh, there's a short pilot that Olin did several years ago that's up on uh, YouTube. You could check out. I think that was before this was pitched as a uh, big TV show. Um, but yeah, I, I think these were definitely a solid first two episodes to a new show. Uh, whenever we review new series here uh, at Overly Animated, I always uh, say that shouldn't have too high expectations for pilots or first episodes. They're kind of always on the the bad realm. And I don't think this first episode was bad. Um, I think these first episodes out there, they're pretty good. Um, and, uh, co- you know, considering that it's not a series that's gonna, no series comes out firing on all cylinders right away. I think that it, uh, it, it was, it was pretty solid. Um, I, I agree that maybe the comedy elements were, uh, less prominent to me than the sci-fi elements, I guess. Yeah. It, it definitely doesn't feel like Rick and Morty or Bojack where it's like t- j- jokes per minute is uh, very high. It's, it's, uh, you know, there, there's a few, a few good moments and stuff, but, uh, actually I think the sci-fi elements of the first episode kind of stood out. Um, the first episode seemed really solid to me on rewatch. Uh, there's, uh, like the music, uh, during these, these big moments, like when he's outside, um, and like when the ship, like, st- or like when he's going to hit with the asteroids and stuff like that, I thought that was all, all really well done. Um, and I do think the production, uh, like the aspects of the show are what leap out primarily. It, it just seems really well put together. Uh, you know, like, um, the narrative, the characters, it's a little, you know, it's, it's new, it's, it's a little weak to start, but, uh, it just, it looks great. The music's great. Um, it, it, it all flows really well. So it's, it's, it's definitely really watchable and, uh, really, really well put together. Uh, a lot to, a lot to be excited about. A few things I'm nervous about with this series we'll talk about, but there's clearly a lot of potential here and I'm very excited to go on this final space ride in our, in our first season. Nice. <laughs> Is, that, is, is that it really final, fun? though? Um, yeah, why is this final space? That's my Because <laughs> it's making fun of the final frontier. Okay, yeah. yeah. Is, 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 Sounds this legit. The, is this it's the last a, space? In... It's a spoof off of the phrase final frontier, but like mm-hmm. in a stupid way. <laughs> but in a final stupid space. Way. Yeah. Uh, Mel, what aspects, um, whether it be something narratively that happens, a character, um, some sort of humor moment, uh, do you, stands out to you thinking back on these first two episodes? Um, the thing that kind of hooked me in the first episode specifically was when he was out in space and they, you know, wanted him to give up Mooncake and he was like, I'm not going to do it. Um, and had that flashback to the little caterpillar and that sort of thing. And his dad leaving like first, I was, it was so it was quick and it was like cliche and it was honestly a little bit funny even with the animation on the caterpillar. But I was like, Oh, like it, I don't know. It, it just kind of got me um, more interested. And then when you go into the second episode, the bit with avocados, um, I think his name's like little Cato or something little, like little that. Cato, yeah. Um, his kid and the fact that he's got this whole like crazy backstory and David Tennant's little psycho characters holding him hostage. Like there's some stuff in this, like it's interesting because you mentioned Alex, like the tone was a, not necessarily jarring, but you know, it's a little bit confused at times, I think with like, you know, it's not as comedic as it might have seemed in um the promos. And it's a little bit more serious in spots and, very narratively driven like i felt by the end of the second episode a lot had happened in terms of like there was like it's not so much episodic plot it's it's there's something overarching happening which is weird because i think you don't really see that in adult cartoons um so yeah i mean that's just the what yeah. got me was the little caterpillar <laughs> the little caterpillar wow. <laughs> i didn't up. expect that answer but yeah that was that's a good it's a good like hinting of uh potential backstory and motivation for gary um i agree that was well done um and yeah this is definitely not your like american dad type show this is uh you know more on the plot uh, more on the plot heavy it's definitely a serialized narrative um and i think they they definitely established that and this yeah the second episode is super ambitious narratively at one point i think there's five different uh like uh plot threads happening yeah actually no because quinn is introduced in that one i guess you have quinn there's the nightfall plot line and the main one splits into two okay i guess there's a four at one point yeah so uh it's it's, there's a lot happening in that second episode I, i i don't know if it necessarily comes together although i definitely appreciate the the ambition narratively on it um alex same question what uh what stands out to you uh looking back on the first two 
Um, honestly, Gary's character stands out to me just because like it, it, it like everyone around him is mostly serious. Like you have Avocado and Lord Commander is very ha- uh, heinous acting at times. But Gary is the, the only one who just seems totally insane and just unaware of his surroundings. And I think that's where a lot of the comedy aspects come from, just him not getting what's going on around him. And uh, I I enjoy the moments, especially in the in the second episode. You have him getting stuck in the in the other creatures body and just stuck in a <laughs> random family it's a, it's a fun gag it's, uh, I, I, it, it's horrifying but that adds to the humor in, in a way but yeah i i think gary is that obviously he's the main character but i think he's the one whose comedy delivers the most while they attempt to add comedy to other characters i think gary's the one who delivers it best here yeah most of our jokes revolve around gary and we'll get to we'll get to him in a second for sure um, yeah, I think, I think what stands out to me is the, uh, like I mentioned, the big, uh, dramatic moments in episode one. I think those come together really well. The, the score, I think, in episode one, I didn't notice that as much in episode two, but, uh, it sounded very interstellar to me, which I, and I love that movie. So Ooh. I think that really worked. Yeah. Um, it's dramatic. Yeah. Uh, on the other, on the other side of things, uh, you know, obviously who stood out to me is Mooncake, uh, mm-hmm. who is my favorite character. And oh, trippy sounds. I Chookly. love yeah i love mooncake uh i was very i will always watch the show as long as mooncake is on mooncake is the cutest and uh makes stupid sounds and is this uh, your janora yeah exactly oh yeah it's the it's the the cute thing i latch on to of the show and uh (laughs) it is also simultaneously a planet eater which is awesome that's my favorite concept on the show uh and it's uh, a useful sidekick yeah, he can he can do things. He's the the cute uh, pet and uh, is all powerful and is also the driver of the plot. Yeah, I, I think Mo- Mooncake's incredible. Uh, I think he's deservedly featured on all the marketing for the show because <laughs> this is the big draw. And uh, Mooncake plushies now, please. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, need need <laughs> <think we're> there. <laughs> need. Okay, uh, it's basically just a green pillow when you're good. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. Not a very complex design. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's start with Gary, I guess, uh, because he is an interesting main character to see everything from. He's, we learn initially that he's an, I guess, an unreliable narrator because he, uh, where he thinks he's pretending to be the captain of the ship and we learn you few, are a prisoner yeah a few <laughs> minutes in that uh he's uh I, I told you several times you're captain not a prisoner he's like sounds vaguely familiar yeah uh and he's been a prisoner for the five years after some dumb shit uh with the the, the flashback we get really I, I would describe gary as um very stupid and an asshole which i guess is not surprising yeah. for uh this type of show's main character but charismatic and uh goofy and you know maybe harmless although question mark um you know who he reminds me of um is archer yeah less capable archer less capable archer um and he even has like um olin rogers just did the voice for him and he basically like even the cadences on the way he speaks with his like if you replace archer's what the shit with what the crap like it's almost like mm. the same the same sentence yeah uh, so since he reminds you of archer do you find him sympathetic mel um uh i guess yeah i mean he's just it's like you said he's just a dumb he's a big idiot um he might he's harmless in the sense that he's incapable but there's a lot of collateral. That bit with the family was hysterical, especially when he came back later. And he was like, "Kids, it's me, your mom." <laughs> when he yeah. landed on their their space car, yeah. Um, he's probably an asshole. I mean, we haven't really seen him um, around anyone besides Avocado and um, Mooncake. Like, I'm interested to see like how he's going to react around other humans, if whether he's more assholeish or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think him with Mooncake is what really uh makes him sympathetic. Um cuz uh he's the only one that wants to protect this uh you know stupid uh alien weapon. Basically, this is why Mooncake's incredible. Mooncake is the Death Star except a little <laughs> adorable green alien. Like what a great concept. I love it. Okay. Um but yeah, I think Gary Gary being nice to Mooncake really uh makes him sympathetic to the audience. Also he's just uh constantly peppy and stuff. The reason I say he's an asshole mainly is this flashback sequence um with uh him meeting Quinn. Oh yeah. 
And uh, it's th- this is what worries me about this character is because he uh, just immediately starts uh, he starts trying to hit on Quinn and then he uh, you know he destroys a bunch of uh, ships and that's why he gets put in the prison because he's pretending to be an Infinity Guard. Um, but the problem is he keeps sending Quinn video mess or he thinks he is. I think he's actually not doing it. I think that's what the show is trying to tell us because Quinn gets a message later and it's not from him. It's it's from uh, her weird sidekick character, which we'll talk about. But um, maybe they're going to her spam folder. Yeah, they, either either she's they're going to her spam or Gary's just not. I was going to say, I get the feeling that that Hugh or someone is not. Like, right, right. Why, them, but not sending. Yeah, exactly. Why would the prison ship send the messages? I, I think that's. I think that's maybe what he, we're supposed to. But he's going to let him keep recording them as if they're they're getting. Yeah, <laughs> you as no reason to send these. Um, especially, why would you send them towards the person who he uh, like the thing he's put in jail for, pretending like he committed it against her and like the the rest of the army, I guess, or whatever they are. It's not clear. Um, but, uh, yeah, the fact that he thinks he's in love with Quinn after seeing her once and then continues to, uh, in his head, send messages to her every day, a big red flag in terms of like being like a misogynistic jerk, uh, I would say. It's what, what? definitely over the top macho. I'll, I'll give you that. Especially the, like the big, the first thing he says when he goes in is like, "Oh, who's the, who, that hot piece or whatever." Yeah. So immediately you get uh, he's not a good guy. But like I think the show doesn't does enough to make like remind you that other than Mooncake, he's just a terrible person. And I guess therein lies a lot of the humor. But yeah. It's with episode two, you have that Quinn storyline. It seems she's going to go into space. So it remains to be seen, like if Quinn and uh, and Gary ever interact, like how that's going to go down. Because it, at least in that flashback, you also get Quinn just sh- shutting down Gary entirely. And uh, she handles that well. But uh, it, it's going to get weird if the Gary like we have an obsessive uh, trait to there. And I it's I think that. Quinn is Gary's love interest in the show. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, if they, if that's what we're doing, Quinn goes into space, they meet again, and uh, over time, like, he wears her down, and uh, he they, they like each other, and they start dating. Um, that's going to be very hard to swallow, given the uh, introduction we got with this flashback in episode one. I think that we are clearly establishing Gary as unsympathetic with regards to Quinn. Um, that's the, this is the number one thing I'm worried about with the show is that, uh, this Quinn, Quinn as a love interest, I'm not sure how we do this in a non-sexist way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I will say that in, in the pilot, the story is a slightly different. They, they make it seem that Gary did actually enter the army and did his training. And that's how he, uh, he, um, found out who Quinn was because uh, I guess Quinn was his superior at some point. So at least there, it makes a little bit more sense history wise, even if maybe he's the same jerk. But it's like, oh, okay, well, at least you were in contact for a long time. But here, it's like I knew her for a day, and I'm 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 obsessed. So like that's even, even a day, worse. I just saw her once and didn't even talk to her. Like uh, yeah, so I, I would have preferred if they kept that element from the pilot. Like hey, at, at least they knew each other before this. Yeah, if we're if we're gonna make Quinn an important character, yeah. it kind of reminds me of um, Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek, where he basically gets in that bar fight and he hits on a Hora, and he like just joins uh stark man on a whim um i also found him incredibly unlikable for most of that movie so that checks out (laughs) but star trek doesn't really play as a comedy does it no it's just it's a similar it's a similar um it is definitely like a backstory trope yeah and uh uh, we'll, we'll see how they handle it. Obviously, if they end up being a love interest, they'll interact a lot more than that one time. And, uh, we'll, see, you know, hopefully it'll come with Gary becoming a better person and stuff. Still going to be, going to be tough to swallow. Um, yeah. So Gary, uh, outside of that, he is very sympathetic. He's very funny with the cookie stuff in, in the first episode. Um, he, he seems to his, like his reaction to being boarded by, uh, like these, uh, these invaders is, uh, I gotta play cards with them. Like, uh, it's, uh, I haven't interacted with another, with another human, uh, gotta play, gotta play cards. Uh, so I think that, that, uh, that all makes him pretty, I, th- I think overall he does come across sympathetic despite also being an asshole. It's, it's, it's a dichotomy we're very used to in 
this type of adult an- adult animated comedy show. Yeah. Uh, an- another example that's coming to mind is like early Adventure Time Ice King. Like he just doesn't know how to interact with people. So when when that arises, then he just ends up being very awkward around them to the point of like harassing them. He, he's an he's an adult man child. Like he's he's yeah. like <laughs> like uh, and Isn't I've seen. Aren't all men childs adults? Yeah, that the adult man part was redundant, but he's a, he's a man child, and it's I'm very, I'm I will say I'm very tired of seeing this character. Um, mm-hmm. It's like every like every guy uh, in in media is is this almost to be honest, it's all guys all in real life most of them, but um, it's uh, he's you know he's he does come across sympathetically. I do think the show does a good enough job uh, grounding him in 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 these likable traits, but. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him not be as much of a child, I guess. And I guess that's probably how he'll grow and stuff. But, uh, yeah, Gary, uh, you know, we spend all of, all of our time on him. Um, definitely, definitely, uh, the character we're most interested in presenting to the audience here, but we also have some other ones, uh, in this. We talked about Mooncake. Um, I've made my feelings clear. Uh, are you into Mooncake, Mel? Oh my God. He's adorable. <laughs> He's great. I love the little noises he makes. Would you also, yeah, he is chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Yeah, and then he also goes, yeah. and, uh, He's also voiced by Olin Rogers. Yeah, that's the, that's his true masterpiece in voice acting. Well, so. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> and uh, he also uh, squeaks like a squeak toy. When, yes, he does when you hug him. Yeah. That's, why would you make your, your planet-destroying weapon squeak? I don't get it. I, I hope we need to learn of his origins. He's a Trojan and, horse. Yeah, he's easier to smuggle if he looks cute. Is, yeah, is that he's why? Is it so adorable. that no one would ever be able to destroy it? I need please protect it. I don't know, it? because everyone's still pretty afraid of it, even though it's pretty damn cute. Like, yeah. everyone's like, I don't care how cute it is. It's a blah, blah, blah. I guess it's because they know that, uh, like, I guess it's people that know, like, the Lord Commander and his subordinates. But that being said, there's also one line in episode two where it seems like this is a, like, a glow, like a universal news story of, uh, Mooncake on the loose. So, um, if Mooncake was supposed to be hidden, it seems like the jig is up with, uh, with him right. being a planet killer. Um, Alex, Mooncake fan? Uh, he's cute. Uh, I'm a little worried that we're going to get into overexposure if this show gets popular to the levels of Rick and Morty and Bojack, where like it just becomes the meme. But uh, like in the show, he, he's he's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had a the you had a Times Square ad for the show, which is just uh, Mooncake's giant, uh, <laughs> and it said something. But yeah, they're definitely pushing this. Um, yeah, I think, I think in terms of the show, potentially overusing Mooncake, I think no so far because episode two, he didn't do a lot. Um, he, he got shoved off with Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, Kevin. Um, so I think we're, we're fine for now. And I, I think appropriate levels in episode one of Mooncake. Uh, how about Avocado? Uh, meet him at the end of, of episode one here. Um, voiced by Cody Galloway. And, uh, he's a, what, uh, whatever species the, the planet is. What he keeps saying, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we don't, we don't know any of the words they're saying yet, but, uh, it's, he's, he's, a but he's not a cat. He says he's not a cat. <laughs> he's a Ventrexian. There you go. I wrote Apparently that. we're not allowed to call him Mr. Whiskers. No. Uh, but, uh, he makes a lot of cat sounds in, but it's like in the background. <laughs> like, it's kind of like a joke, <laughs> I guess. He gets slapped at one point, I think, by, um, Gary and he makes like a meow. Yeah, yeah. There's a few of those, <laughs> exactly, and uh, it's definitely a lot of cat humor. I think he like lands on all fours and stuff when he's falling. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of that stuff. Uh, do, you, do you? He's all he's very serious though, and he wants to save his son, uh, and he's a bounty hunter. What do you think of Avocado Mel? Um, he is a lot more serious than I thought. Again, like it was one of those things where it's like, oh, the show's a little bit more dramatic than I thought it was going to be, because it like. There's comedy, but then there's also these points where it does, like, kind of take most of its own stuff seriously, like, in these bits um, with him and his kid and the fact that it's clearly set up as a dramatic long-term plot because it ends. That's how the, the episode two ends. I like him. I mean, he's obviously not as um, fun as Gary is, but he's also, like, a sidekick character. So I don't have too much of an opinion on him. Other than that, okay, like the show is more serious than I thought it was going to be because of Avocado. <laughs> yeah, I think he's kind of functions as the straight man for 
most of the yeah, second I, episode. I was going to say he 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 bounces off well with uh, Gary's manic energy. Like he, he he's kind of the the correct compliment to to Gary's character. And uh, I enjoyed him. I enjoy the seriousness he brings to the show. So it's not just two people cracking jokes all the time, like say maybe Rick and Morty. But um, and and that uh, they're adding in this family angle at at the end of episode two that will probably end up fo- following along through the rest of the show. So I guess it's just a nice extra thread to follow along and see how that affects his actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not not a ton with. Uh, I think Avocado is a sympathetic character. Um, I think it's interesting that he like is about to sell out Gary, and then he changes course and stuff. It's it's kind of it's kind of not clear why he he, he goes along with Gary shenanigans all episode. Um, you know, he has his motivation with the, getting his son back, um, but he you know because he tolerates Gary and does seem to care about him, he he comes uh, in the end. He, he cares about him. He comes across as sympathetically. Um, I wonder if we'll switch him out for Quinn as the sidekick eventually, um, or there'll be like a group of three, or you know what's happening there. So well, all three of them are in that opening. Yeah, he's bit. definitely he's definitely a major character. I, I think that, I wonder if this is the height of his prominence in the show, um, or if if he'll, if he'll be this this strong well, forever. I, I'd like Quinn to maybe act as a superior, like giving orders, like from the ship or whatever. And these two are like the guys, the that, like, actual actually, captain. <laughs> yeah, and like these people do the grunt work or something along those lines. I think that dynamic could work potentially. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, we mentioned the opening, by the way. Quick aside on the th- kind of 3D rendered intro. Uh, were you a fan, Mel? Um, it's funny because I remember thinking to myself how much Sam would hate it. <laughs> yeah. Anti 3D. Uh, the yeah. poster child for no unnecessary 3D animation. Um, I don't know. It was kind of weird because nothing else in the show is remotely like that. But. Looks very know. different, yeah. CG, just, CG, yeah. CGI, CGI alternatively, what we mean, um, but uh, one of the two. Uh, Alex? I, I loved it. Uh, like, uh, from uh, from fir- seeing it first, I was like, whoa, this looks very well made. Uh, I guess it's more taken aback just because this is, like, TBS's first original show, so I, I, like, I wasn't really sure what to expect in terms of animation quality. So just from the intro, you're like, oh, okay, this is high budget. And then you get to the rest of the show, and it still looks pretty good all the way around, even if it's back to, like, more standard animation methods but yeah the intro i like the music is a little low-key compared to other theme songs of shows we cover but it, it works for the whole spacey vibe yeah i don't even remember what the music is right now um like, so dun, that's not dun, a good sign dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, okay yeah, yeah dramatic yeah there you go that, that's pretty good um it's not, okay i'm not a fan of the intro right now maybe it'll grow on me um, but I, don't, I also don't really care. Whatever. It's also, just, I it's, appreciate that it's very short. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, short. It's short. I don't really. It's. It's. I'm not a not necessarily a fan of how it looks, but it doesn't matter. Um, you mentioned that I'm not sure who does the the intro. If it's also Shadow Machine who animates the show, I think Shadow Machine is doing an incredible job with the animation quality of the of the show. They also do BoJack Horseman. Um, I oh, think I think okay. the show kind of looks better than BoJack, to be honest. Yeah, um, but BoJack, I feel like that that's animated a lot more like stodgily. Like the characters don't move as nearly as smoothly as they do in this show. Yeah, I think I think there's an intentionally stylistic difference, and this is like a space epic, so it has to look uh, more polished. Um, but yeah, I think I think it looks great. Um, let's get back to our characters. We mentioned Kevin, voiced by Fred Armisen. Um, <laughs> such a jerk. Kevin's such a jerk. Yeah, Kevin Poor is Fred Armisen. Uh, Kevin's Gary's deep space insanity avoidance companion on his prison ship. Um, Mel, Kevin, thoughts? Couldn't really keep the robots straight. I understood that Kevin was the main one, but... There's, like, all the robots which are different than Kevin. Kevin's, like, a circular thing. Yeah, Kevin... Um, Oh, Kevin, yeah. Yeah, Kevin's the yellow one. Okay, yeah. I was confused. I thought thought them... Yeah, there's, like, a robot that they focus on that has a thing written on its head in the first episode. Yeah, there's one robot that has... yeah. And I thought Hank was a character, but Hank's not a character. It's just just one of the robots. Okay, so Kevin, yes. Um, He's... It's funny because it's, like, I get... He's, like, just trying to be... Like, there's that bit where he goes up to um, Gary and he's like, oh, I have something to tell you or something like that. And Gary's, like, trying to launch out into space or something. I couldn't remember what episode it was. Like, he's just, he's very clingy um, and needy, which is funny since he's the deep space insanity avoidance whatever. Yeah, he always thing. seems to want to talk to Gary and he's, like, uh, he ta- he's like uh, ho- hoarding the cookies over him. Like, he always has yeah, cookies cookie and Gary, Gary doesn't. The yeah. running bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, he's fun. Obviously, he's so memorable to me that I've <laughs> confused him. He does, yeah, he doesn't do a lot of stuff here. Robots with yeah. crap written over their forehead. 
I was also uh, confused by the by all the robots at first too, but um, it's I think Kevin's going to be a character the rest of the show. I'm not, it's, you know, is is I he assume he's not staying in prison, Gary, the rest of the. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's got to shake up. Like he's not going to be for an isolated place. This is a lot of people to. Yeah, a lot of AI. Yeah. I I had the thought that why are there so many resources devoted to keeping keeping this guy prisoner who uh, is just this idiot that pretended to be a pilot and uh, ended up uh, destroying ships? Um, like why does he need to be kept in such a complex prison? That seems like a, a lot of resources going to him. Yeah, right. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Maybe there's more than meets the eye. Um, Alex, Kevin, thoughts. I think he's the weak spot of this show. Like uh, of of the main characters, like he's the one that just ends up feeling annoying anytime he shows up on screen. And I guess that's the intent, like him annoying Gary is the entire source of humor. But uh, I don't know, the jokes they do with him just don't don't land, like him forcing Mooncake to go get him cookies or him drawing balls on Gary's face. Like it's just uh, they they gave him the weakest material, and as a result, I think Kevin is just the weakest character of the made ones we had in these first two episodes. Yeah, I agree. Is the weakest material. That being said, I think his voice is very funny, and uh, I think the concept of him is funny. So, like, I, I'm I'm bullish on Kevin, but we need to give him better jokes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, I think it's also KVN because he's a robot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. Uh, we have Quinn. So we get Quinn in the fast in the flashback. Um, C- commander, what Quinn uh, Ergon, um, and uh, presumably a commander of the Infinity Guard. Not clear what the Infinity Guard is. I guess they're like the Earth um, forces of good versus the Lord Commander's forces of bad. Um, if that's what we're going for, it feels very, uh, I guess, Star Trek or Voltron. Um, you know, you have the like the I don't I don't know what they're called in in those shows, but you know you have the the academy on Earth that trains to to fight against whatever evil space empire. Why are the humans always the good guys? Because we're very human. Because we are yeah. humans. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. very biased in our storytelling. Um, but uh, she's she seems very capable. Um, she's uh, in episode two. She's going on. Uh, she's a very weird B slash C plot with Tribor, um, where she's uh, investigating why ships are crashing. She thinks uh, there's the universe could be tearing apart from the gravitational constant changing. And uh, she says something big is happening. That's her plot in episode two. Um, Yeah, that that just feels like a setup. Like, how do we get Quinn up into space with the rest of our cast? (laughs) Yeah, she's basically she's not supported by uh, her command. So uh, she'll probably take action on her own and go up in the space to see what's up. Yeah um quinn thoughts mel um i liked her um i'm probably going to get frustrated with the way she's used Mm -hmm. um that being said i mean it's also she's also kind of a trope at this point i feel like a tropey character um like this lone female in a room full of like men who don't listen to her so she like takes action on her own and all this other stuff which i you know appreciate but i think at this point we're beyond that trope when it comes to women's stories um but i'd like to see more of her specifically interacting with people who aren't that weird six-eyed thing but i did like her bit in the um in the the boardroom where she was like kevin's got my back no and she's like going to the she's like you're all stupid and walks out and then guy's like oh why would you all be stupid i think you're very smart yeah Uh, we'll talk we'll talk tribor but yeah alex yeah Uh, yeah, quinn is uh, definitely has the potential to be a strong character our only major female character which is a bit of a disappointment but uh yeah equipped uh I, I can't really judge Quinn until we actually see her with the main cast because right now she's kind of just been a side thing, but it, we know that later on she'll get a, a, a slightly bigger role. So I, I want to wait till I make a final judgment, but just from these first two episodes, she's fine and she, she's got a strong personality that's uh, entertaining to watch, but... Uh, yeah, there's just not much there. And she, uh, besides the, the boardroom scene, I, I, that's like sort of humor, I guess, but it's also like uh, trying to be serious and, oh, I'm being ignored. So just in terms of humor, she hasn't really gotten much to do yet. So I'm wondering if she's going to be a, a more serious ca- character along the lines of Avocado and how that functions with Gary being the main humor character. 
So we'll see how all that works together. But like right now, she, she's she's strong. Yeah. Um. It's if she, if she's a straight man, uh, then I think she needs a better over the top character than Tribor. So maybe when she's with Gary, that'll work better. Um, but yeah, she seems very capable, definitely the most capable force that we see. And, uh, she, she comes across really well so far. I'm mostly just worried about this show, which shows usage of her, uh, because she's just presented as the love interest and token female on the series, which is not, not a great look to start with. Of course, it could be that they're subverting this. Um, I hope they are, uh, but it's, it's not, it's not a great place to start in where you have, uh, you know, this one female character that's presented as a love interest. And it's just, it's just a very male perspective show. So that, that was my mm-hmm. biggest turn off in getting into the series. It just seems very, very male perspective. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely give everyone a chance to, to see what's happening. There are female writers on the show and stuff. So it'll, it'll be, you know, there's, there's reasons to be helpful. And, uh, Quinn, I think that, uh, I think her design's great. I think it's, it's, it's a nice choice that she's like, uh, she's like a commander. She's essentially a big deal and stuff. So, uh, we'll see what happens with her. And there's also another really interesting aspect to Quinn. Maybe the plot element that I was the most intrigued by in these two episodes, which was Nightfall. Um, who is the culmination of the Mooncake and Kevin subplot in episode two. Um, it's, uh, you know, st- someone's invading their ship and uh, the person takes their helmet off and it's someone who looks like Quinn. Yeah. Uh, who looks like kind of like a robot version of Quinn. So we don't really know what's happening there, but uh, that per Nightfall kind of implants something into Kevin to potentially save them in the future and tells Mooncake to not let Gary die. So, um you know, this is I, I I loved that reveal, and I think it's super a super intriguing aspect of Quinn's character. Yeah, um, I, I wonder if we're going to get into time travel stuff. Right. Uh, any theories come to mind, Mel, on Nightfall? No, because mainly because it confused the hell out of me when I first saw it. <laughs> um, yeah. It might be a time travel thing, just because tropes and tropes and that sort of thing and that's always the easiest way to explain something like that but there's a crap ton of robots in this show so that's also a possibility um so i don't know i mean looking at it right now it looks like it's probably a time travel thing yeah i think those are maybe the two biggest uh things that come to mind or she's an ai or robot of some sort version of quinn a clone or she's maybe quinn from the future um, or the past, or I don't know. I mean, it, it, it hints at being from the future because she warns about something, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. so maybe she, the maybe like the robot can see into the future or something. But um, also the fact that uh, she tells Mooncake to take care of Gary would indicate if this is a future version of Quinn, that Quinn warms up to Gary because she cares about him and doesn't want him to die and tells Mooncake to save him. So, or at uh, least he has a logistical purpose. Yeah, he's important in some way. Yeah, could it, yeah, I definitely could see them doing where uh, the only reason she puts up with Gary is because he he needs her, she needs him for some reason, and then eventually it warms up to him in a real way. But at least, or at least to start with, uh, you know, he's 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 he is some sort of. I wonder if Gary is the chosen one at all. That's something we've been talked about because he seems like just this 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 dick. Like, uh, <laughs> is, is 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 Gary going to have any sort of special powers or special role in the universe? Well, I guess that's the question, right? Because, like, he starts out, like, why is this random dude floating in space as a prisoner on this ship and Mm. no one's really doing anything about it? Like, he's just kind of existing in the ship and there's all these resources allocated to, like, you know, keeping him there, like you said. And it's just the entire thing is kind of a weird premise. But at the same time, you can chalk it up to, like, that's the comedic aspect is that there's this dude being held prisoner by an AI on a ship and he's, like, deluded himself into thinking the robots are his friends and that he's the captain of the ship. So I don't know. Um, so far, it is serialized enough that I could see them going for a longer um, story arc and reveal because um, they seem to be going more that direction than kind of episodic um, bit comedy. Mm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think I think right now Gary's entire importance in the universe is tied to Mooncake. Um, like the only reason people are going after him is because he's been hoarding Mooncake. Yeah. Um, so it's like Mooncake's the chosen one. He's just uh, he's just kind of dealing with it. Uh, and, he's, and, and that sort of carry o- carries over from the pilot because that that whole thing was uh, the, everything's been destroyed. And so he, the point of that pilot is at the end, he's going into a wormhole to go back in time. And he mentions like save Mooncake, save the Quinn, save the world or something like that. 
So that they could also be like a time, like obviously pilots, very few elements end up carrying over to real finished products. But we, we could have a situation where it's like a time loop thing where like Gary is the one who has to go through a time travel in order to go back and meet Mooncake. And it just goes ends up going in a circle or something like that. Yeah, Night- Nightfall hints at potential time travel with the show. I'd really love for us to get into complex time travel here. I think that would that would be really I usually get so frustrated with time travel plots because of that exact reason is that time travel plots need to be complex for them to make any sense at all. And most of them aren't. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the case, how much time and effort they put into actually plotting that out. Right. It would certainly be interesting for uh, or it'd certainly be a bold choice for a show's first season from like a new show creator to to go full time travel. But so in that in that regard, I probably don't expect it to happen. But, it, you know, we have to at least with Nightfall, we are keeping track of that. Um, something yeah. you mentioned, Mel, is that um, the uh, these these pre these pre intro scenes in episodes one and two um, with Gary floating in space. And it's kind of hard to tell where episodes one and two end. Um, but, uh, we had the, we have Gary floating in the space. Uh, it's hard to tell when they, when it like transitions cause they're put together online and as one thing, but, uh, there's Gary floating in space to, to begin the series. And then in episode two, it also starts with Gary floating in space. I believe at the end of episode one, he says, I have like 10 or nine days left, um, or not hours or so, I think hours left to live. And then in chapter two, he has eight hours left. Is it minutes? I think it might be minutes uh, left to live. And, uh, I it, d- it didn't get this at first, but I believe that every episode will be starting out with Gary floating in space with a minute less left to live. Um, and that this is leading up to the finale where he will be put in a position where he's almost dying. Uh, not really was not clear to me, but this seems to be a thing that we're doing from uh, like a, an intro device to every chapter. Uh, was that your read on it, Alex? Uh, yeah, I, I, I looked at it as like a framing device, like yeah. uh, just like uh, this is going to happen at some point. And uh, I, I hate keep referencing the pilot, but like this is how the pilot starts, too. It's just him floating and uh, floating in space at some point, but uh, just uh, everything destroyed around him. So uh, I, I like that we're kind of like it does seem like they have something final in, in store, at least for this season, if not for the entire show. Who knows how far ahead they have planned. But yeah, I, I enjoy stuff like this. It's like short, short and sweet to throw in a couple jokes of him being very, uh, uh, like you know, on the verge of death. But <laughs> but yeah, it's it's short, and even if it's unrelated to the rest of the story, I, I like how it begins. Yeah, I mean, it has to tie in at some point to the, the end of the show. Um, yeah, Mel, what do you think about that as a potential framing device for every episode? We st- we start off with uh, Gary a minute less left to live, and then eventually we pay it off in the finale. Do you do, does that initially come across as a good idea to you? Um, I mean, it's fun in theory, but I can see it getting old pretty quick. Um, one thing, like, I don't think this should, like, you know, obviously I've only watched two episodes, but they haven't played, well, they've, like, played around with some tropes and that sort of thing. Like, they haven't played too much with, like, actual sci-fi satire at all. Like, they obviously do it a bit with Hugh um, and with, like, Lord Commander and and some other stuff. And, like, they mentioned space folding at one point for basically, you know, like, jumping to light speed as we would know it in star wars but they haven't played too much with anything beyond that and i wonder if they do continue to do those things where it's you know you open that way with that frame device if they will start to play with conventional sci-fi tropes more or um it's just these random little very subtle things um but yeah i mean i can see it getting old pretty fast Right. If it's if it's just like a minute of him of him floating every time, you know, we're gonna run out of material. In the second episode, it's uh, uh what would you do with uh with eight minutes with left to live, Hugh? He's like, I would uh, put myself in a in a thing and go see Paris. Like, uh, okay, yeah, Jesus. Hugh. And uh, <laughs> calm yeah, down, Gary, Hugh. Yeah, calm down. Uh, it's like you're so basic, Hugh. Wow. Um, Gary would uh, do anything with Quinn. He says, um, which is kind of his attitude currently. He's in fake in love with Quinn, obviously he doesn't know her. But if this is the future, he says he'd do anything with Quinn that potentially also hints that Gary and Quinn co- grow closer and are act- an actual couple towards uh, if this is the finale that we're seeing and uh, it's interspersed throughout the episodes. 
It's like, um, did Archer, I guess Archer, well, Archer did that in that season where Archer got shot. They started with him getting shot at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in start, the beginning. Yeah, start at the, start at the end. That's kind of a, it's probably a TV show. But I'm trying to think if there's, and it sounds familiar when I say it, if there's something, a TV show or something where the intro bits like that happen and they're actually from later episodes, you know what I mean? Like you, you've got something that was in the future the entire time. And I want to say it was breaking bad that did it in season two when it would have these bits um, with the airplane crash that was eventually happened at the end of the season that was caused by Walter, but you didn't know at the time that it was the future or even what it was. It would just be interspersed um, at the, I guess at the beginning of the episodes, I haven't watched it in a while, but that's the only show where I can think of where they do something like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I think it's an interesting framing device. I, what I would do thinking about it right now, I would subvert this in the finale. I would build up, uh, to Gary almost dying. And then it's like, no, this is an alternate timeline or no, this is the the past, not the future. You know, I would do something to, to, to switch up audience expectations because if we're going to spend every episode there, you can't just pay it off, uh, in this, in the expected way. I think that's too boring. Um, mm-hmm. so I think I think there's a lot of potential there. So it's, it's that was that was interesting to me when that clicked because I didn't notice that when first watch, first watching the episodes that that's what they're doing. The beginning of each episode is going to be this, um, and then I'm like, oh, there's some depth here. This is this is kind of interesting, even if it's like an expected framing device. They're like, well, at least we're we're doing some things. So I'm that's the type of thing I'm looking for potential uh, from from the show. Um, quickly going through the rest of these characters, Hugh. We talked about the computer, the prison ships AI system. Uh, who's uh, voiced by uh, Tom Kenny. And doing his best HAL 9000 impersonation. Yeah, exactly. Definitely what that's based on. Um, I think Hugh is, he's for the most part, uh, is is just the voice. But then I think Hugh is maybe the funniest uh, sequence of the entire two episodes at the end. He says, uh, after he implants the thing in, in Gary's head, he's like, you have to be back in five hours. At the end, he says, uh, oh, it was never going to explode, Gary. That's just my sense of humor. Um, and Gary's like, you make one joke in five years. Is that really all? That's really the one you tell? He says, timing is everything, Gary. Um, it's kind of, kind of a basic timing joke, but uh, I think that really worked considering Q, uh, the buildup that we got from him. I, I like you. Yeah. And he, he's got good timing for sure. Also in the first episode where uh, he's like rewarding Gary, it's like, you did a brave thing. Oh, because I'm the captain. And it's like, but denied. <laughs> like, <it's>, <laughs> yeah. But he, he's also very quick when he needs to be. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he, he'll end up being an underrated character just because like it is just the voice, but I do think that he contributes a lot to the jokes side of this show. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's a, uh, theory our friend Steve had on our Discord, overlyanimated.com slash Discord, where I've set up a final space channel. This is, I don't think this theory is true, but I think it's worth throwing it out there. Um, Steve said, Hugh is just a voice inside Gary's head and isn't actually real. Um, because for the most part, we don't really see other characters interacting with Hugh. I looked for this on second viewing and I do think Avocado does hear Hugh when Gary is getting implanted with the thing before he leaves. Also that the Nightfall character, I I think they throw something at the computer and they override the system. And I think there's, yeah, there's definitely an AI. So like she could be overriding something, but the voice might like Gary might be personifying the AI in his head and the voice might not be like that. That could be maybe what something they're doing. Like, that would be interesting because it's like, oh, Gary, act- like, Q's telling Gary what to do. It's like, oh, Gary actually knows on his own what to do. He's actually more capable than we're thinking of. So that's something to keep in mind. It, yeah, like, and that- it contributes to the whole Gary is actually, it, like, it clinically insane kind of yes. <laughs> which I think side. the show's kind of going for, yeah, um, to, to a certain extent. Um, at least just in the first episode, there's really nothing to disprove that. So I think worth worth noting, like, why is the the Hugh character is ripe for subversion in some in some regards? So um, I, th- I think that's interesting. We even talked about the Lord Commander, um, these uh, short uh, evil guy, our main villain, uh, voiced by David Tennant. Uh, doesn't I don't hear David Tennant at all when I hear. Lord no, Commander. and I had to look up because I knew that David Tennant was in it. I had to look up which character he was voicing. Because I was like, yeah, the, people sounded like the, David Tennant. I was like, oh my god, really? Yeah, De- definitely not the Scrooge McDuck accent. Yeah, he's also in Ducktales, but uh, yeah, yeah. From, from Doctor Who doesn't sound like his normal self on Doctor Who at all. Um, he's uh, this character reminds me so much of the fake Darth Vader in Spaceballs. I don't know if that's what we're going for. <laughs> but, um, what's his uh, face? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. But that, yeah. I, is that what we're parodying here? I'm not sure. But uh, that's it, it, it. Seems like that's me. We make yeah. short. It, his intro is we're making a short joke with him, um, and other than that, he just seems very menacing. Yeah, I, I do want to say that that first scene where it's the the guy coming in and like making fun of him, but then he like shows like lifts up the the ground to squeeze him. And then just throws him to his pet and blood spatters. Like that's the scene that's like, oh, okay, this is a serious cartoon. <laughs> like it, it, and also that's the part that feels the most jarring from the rest of the show. Like that part, it feels like they're really amping up the okay, the, this villain you have to take seriously. But then in episode two, it feels a little goofier, even though also he ends up ripping off Gary's arm and all of that. So that, yeah, that was like that, that, that was also pretty gruesome. Right. But uh, I think in that scene, he comes off a, a slightly goofier. But uh, that scene in episode one was what really made, made him stand out. And I, I think that there is a place for him being just like a very conniving villain. Like also, I think he appears in each of the endings of the last two episodes like oh let's have some fun and then the second one he's sending off avocado's kid so they've they've got the whole character with a master plan thing down pat so all in all i I think he's a a really good villain uh, better than i was expecting from the previews that i had seen yeah i uh, mel what do you think of lord commander uh i actually liked him a lot um we've only seen like i think three full scenes of him um but i enjoy him i really like david tennant's voice acting um for a second when i first heard him i was thinking it was mark hamill um yeah he's like that menacing right it could be yeah. mark hamill doing like Ozone um, and Avatar. i think it's i love his intro he's like oh my god you're so tiny like um i just i you know it's so far he's been a pretty good blend of comedy and like wow he's actually kind of really it's pretty gruesome like that guy getting eaten and the the arm thing like you know it's he's for real um so i like him so far yeah yeah he's the most prominent thing with him is that uh he's they're doing the small villain but he's not a joke he's uh like he like he's 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 not ludo from star vs. the force of evil where he's small and he's a joke and he's he's more toffee honestly he's more teasy yeah he's more toffee than nobody's gonna understand what we're talking about but um Mm -hmm. he's uh you should that show that show's very good but uh he's uh he's very menacing he's very taken seriously He, he crushes that guy and then he uh he he clearly has like force powers of some sort he has like psychic powers he tears off uh uh gary's arm so he's he's meant to be taken seriously um he's, he's a little typical to me as a villain there's nothing you know i i would like again i'm gonna say this for all of our elements just there's a very tropey show to start with i would like for us to subvert the lord commander in some way he's related to someone he's uh you know he's uh he's one of our characters in the future you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things you can do with him um but uh yeah he, he wants mooncake that's his other thing he he's uh he's going after mooncake what did he make mooncake is uh you know is he mooncake's father is or is he just trying to steal it to, to kill planets you know what, what's going on there yeah i will say that the the motives so far are very you know the basic because uh, i i would definitely prefer that they flesh that out a little bit hopefully it's something a little more than oh i just want to destroy planets yeah, I mean, so far it seems like he's just the emperor from Star Wars. So, um, is there is there more depth there? Is he just trying to take over the universe? Or is he Zarkon from Voltron? Is he is he any space big bad? Or or does he uh, was he a former Infinity uh, Guard who uh, you know has turned bad or something? You know, what's what's what are we doing there? So that'll be interesting to see. And then, of course, last is Tribor, who we've talked about. He's the six-eyed guy who's uh, just asked questions in uh, relation to everything. Um, it's a very specific sense of humor. I think he's voiced by the guy who does Bruce, the performance artist in Family Guy. But he I don't seems, know who that seems, is. He seems familiar. Yeah, we'll nail that down. But um, he's, he's a little annoying so far. <laughs> I don't know. If L- I'm let, let's hope I he's like left him. on Earth. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope he's left on Earth. Yeah. I like him. You like him? Yeah. You, you want him to trek along? Will he? Will he? You know who will annoy him more? Him or first Gary? of all, I like that his eyes don't blink in tandem. <laughs> like okay. some of them are kind of slow. Um, like they don't. He's got six eyes and he can't blink them all at the same time. Like is which makes no sense because if you think about it, you have two eyes and they blink at the same time. Um, but for some reason he can't do that. Um, and I I don't know. I just I kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> that bit with the boardroom is like, oh, why would you all be idiots? I think you're all great. Like the appeasement questioning bits. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just really like it. 
Yeah, he's just uh, just really stupid. So I don't know. What are we doing? <laughs> what's what's he there for? We'll see. Uh, he's, he might just be this gag character. I'm not sure if he'll have deeper importance, but we will we'll see as we go. Um, we mentioned Gary. I'm gonna okay to close. Let's hit on plot points we haven't hit yet from the episodes. And at the end of episode two, Gary gets a robot arm. Yeah, um, that yeah. was surprising. I was surprised that they actually uh, took his arm off and you know gave him the robot arm. And so early. I mean, it took Star Wars like two, three hours to get there. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is their po- they did a Star Wars. So, okay, that's cool. I wonder what significance this will have. At least it was like stakes in the second episode. So I did think that was cool. Yeah. Um, I like I like the intimacy between him and Avocado and him doing surgery on him. And then they have the clasp at the end. That is called intimate healing if you're looking at your tropes. Intimate healing, yes. Yeah. Um, usually it's like the, the love interest, I feel like, yeah. doing that. It's usually a romantic thing. Are we shipping Gary and Avocado? <laughs> or is that what we're doing? Sure. Now? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's there. <laughs> is, is that the ship? Is that what? <laughs> that would be a great way. If the show ends up subverting Gary Quinn by having Gary and Avocado be together, then I think that we will we'll love it. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, get your fan fiction in for Gary Avocado. We need their ship name. Um, we know Avocado has a son, but did yeah. they mention anything about other family? Yeah, we he don't know even... how, how they reproduce on his planet. <laughs> well, that's true, too. It could be asexual. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, you don't know how old he is. He seems older than Gary, but, you know, who knows? Didn't, didn't mention a companion. We'll say that. Um, we had uh, an episode, a bunch of stuff happening in episode two. We mentioned the gag with uh, Gary putting on the alien mom's skin. Um, <laughs> I, l- I love that. <laughs> I was I was very I was really squicked by it. Like uh, I was uh, oh this, this episode two was a little a lot of blood splatter when the arm came off. The putting on the skin, the guy getting like exploded for several. He's like in yeah. There's episode two was it was a lot, but uh, I wonder I wonder if that's a specific episode type of humor if that will continue. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you if you got moved to TBS, you might as well take advantage of the extra leeway that gives you in terms of the type of gags you can put on screen that's definitely what episode two is doing uh one other kind of sexist bit that wasn't crazy about was uh gary was gary in the skin was like oh how do i look and avocado's like i'd give you a two um you know it's uh I don't know, gary seemed like uh taking on the appearance qualities it was male-oriented jokes i feel like but um anyway uh we had we had that we had, uh, we even talked about avocado with his son um little kato it was a trap and he gets transported away at the end of the episode is, is little kato the one that's voiced by steven yun yes that's okay yeah steven, i was yeah. like oh okay so that's what so i guess he's gonna be important then if you're getting someone that because he feels like a big voice yeah, that's a bit. Yeah, uh, Mel Avatar Avatar One is uh, oh, Little boy. Kato. What do we? <laughs> the interesting, interesting choice. I guess he'll be a, a main player. Avatar Little Kato. Yeah, Avatar Little Kato. Original Keith Kato. from Voltron. Yeah, Keith from Voltron. So uh, that's that. That's a uh, interested to see how his character comes into play. With all brain spasms, gag as I mentioned, the exploding brain from Hugh. Um, and, uh, oh, Pete notable. I think people are, seem very anti-human in whatever universe they're in, in the second episode, the papers guy is calling him like a primate and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I was interested to see this universe's stance on are humans, the dominant race. Like they don't seem so they don't seem like it. Uh, I don't know. What, what's uh, how will our sci-fi universe develop? And, um, let me let me see here. Any other things we talked about the uh, the cookies gag, uh, the playing cards stuff. Uh, I don't know, Alex. Anything else you think plot wise you want to hit on from these two episodes? Um, I I think we've covered mo- most of it. Uh, the uh, I guess have we really talked about the scene in episode one where the ship explodes and he's like having to decide between holding Mooncake and. Yeah, I talked about that a little bit with the orbits coming. And then, uh, because I feel like that's actually like the major scene from these first two episodes, just in terms of what the show is going for. Yeah, that's like the highlight. And Mooncake, uh, like lights up and destroys all the asteroids. That's awesome. Yeah, go Mooncake. Um, but, uh, (laughs) yeah, he has to sling hook around the moon's orbit. And they, oh, light, light folding seems to be what teleporting is called in, uh, or whatever. The, uh, light speed, hyper, light speed, hyper drive. Yeah, light fold is in the show. So, which doesn't even, I'm not even gonna. That's fine. You want to call it what you want. Space folds and it go, yeah. Yeah, light doesn't fold. You know, I don't know what folds. (laughs) 
Well, let's, let's see. Yeah. The, the, what Which I guess is the, the point. Maybe it's like a sentence that makes absolutely no, or it's a phrase that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I, I wonder how much of the sci-fi elements will be uh, satire to a certain extent, or like parody of, of normal ones. So so far, not that much, I would say. Yeah, like right now, it feels like it's playing very straight in terms of that. Like it's actually trying yeah. to be a serious sci-fi show in a way. Which is what makes me think we're going to do all these subversions at the end. Like th- there's so much thing that's ripe to just turn it on its head. I would I would love that. Um, but yeah, there you go. I think that's that's uh, all everything from these first two chapters. Um, overall, we're excited, I guess, uh, for what's to come. But thought they're pretty pretty solid introduction. Any uh, closing thoughts on the two episodes, Mel? Uh, no, just that. Um, for now, I am going to watch more. <laughs> yes, ringing yes. endorsement. Well, that's yeah, pretty good. There's a lot of shows you drop after one episode. We're not doing that. So, well, Alex. especially because again, like the humor is just—it's not what I expected it to be. But I didn't dislike it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I just want to point out, like, uh, uh, following Olin Rogers on his social media, he's been, he seems to be very adamant about the fact that it doesn't get uh, get strong until episode 10, which, like, it feels like a weird stance to take as the creator of the show, and I know... He, he, that, he said in his uh, recent Reddit message, episodes 6 to 10 are the huge... So, yeah. So, yeah. so I'm, but I think these two episodes are good enough that you're, I'm, I'm willing to hold on until then. But I know that some people, I guess, maybe this kind of humor just doesn't land. But for for me, it did a lot of the time. So I think that even if it stayed at this quality, it would still be a watchable show. But I, I am interested to see if he's hyping up like the episode 10 so much, like what exactly is the plan for this show going forward? If it wants to stay serious, if it's going to lean more into the comedy or if we're going to stay in this kind of in-between yeah, um, I'm. I know. I I think it's fine if it stays at this quality. Although I, by the way, hot take is this hot take episode one better than episode two? No, I liked I liked episode one better than episode two. I enjoyed that kind of isolated um, yeah. bit more than the super plot ridiculous episode two. Yeah, I, th- I yeah, think two episode just, two was too ambitious. Yeah, it was too ambitious. I it went. It just went. It was too fast. To, um, once we got to that planet, um, and it was still fine. It was definitely watchable. It was the, like I didn't really follow what was happening until <laughs> until the rewatch, and it didn't even matter what was happening. Um, and there's just a lot of gags and and stuff like that. I think we need to slow down a little bit, but um, especially if we can hit the quality of episode one consistently, that's already watchable. And I'm I'm all for him saying <laughs> stick it out until the end because uh, I I tell people with that with the, it's like uh, it's like okay, you want to watch Star Wars Force evil it doesn't really get good until the middle of season two so so stick it out until well, that's then. what yeah. people tell me about steven universe they still have only yeah, watched steven one universe. episode and can't yeah, you, get past it yeah mel you really have to get to episode 45 of steven universe before yeah it gets i guess great. that's just the thing with every show now right yeah. like like it's just like hold so on 10 isn't that then. big of an ass that's what i've been know? trying to tell you about twin peaks for yeah. years no i i i feel like i got eventually you have to get to at least episode yeah, yeah, this, I, I think you told me that on when I was watching Twin Peaks. Yeah, it's it's a it's a common thing. Uh, it's like I, Voltron. Wait, you got to get to season three, Voltron. Yeah, yeah. I will say of first episodes, like, have we had a better one in recent memory? Uh this is one of our better first episodes. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, we can go through our shows. The Rick and Morty first episode is very good. Um, it's I think probably better than maybe better than the BoJack first episode. Um, Definitely but, better, but I'm not sure if, it, if Rick and Morty first episode lives up to this. Yeah, I, th- I would probably take Rick and Morty episode one, but it's it's uh, you know that's that's a that's a high benchmark, and um, you know usually again usually first episodes are bad, so it, it's starting off strong is really great. Um, we're very excited to see what's coming next from Final Space. I have the description. Uh, chapter three i'll read it because it's our next episode which is um I, these descriptions end up being i actually have them for the whole season so i'll try i won't i won't say past it because spoilers but um tbs's website <laughs> is uh right for finding these descriptions but gary uh, chapter three gary tries to hide mooncake safely away on the planet yarno but instead gary and avocado are trapped in a terrifying mind puzzle while mooncake is taken from them and forced to fight in a combat arena called deathcropolis okay okay yeah, maze well, episode yeah <laughs> seems seems a tropey again but yeah interesting uh i mean i'm so. down for a labyrinth episode yeah i like the Com- mind mind puzzle yeah mind puzzle and then deathcropolis uh is mooncake fighting in deathcropolis the sentence is 
uh, worded it. The, com- the, the, com- the ambiguous commas in the sentence. I that does like. seem like an unfair fight. <laughs> yeah, Mooncake. <laughs> I don't want to go up against Mooncake. Okay, so there you go. Uh, let us know what you thought of chapters one and two of Final Space. You can comment on our website, overlyanimated.com. If you click on this, the final, the article for this podcast, comment there. Uh, we also are on YouTube. We cross post all of our podcasts. YouTube, you can comment on YouTube about this. Um, or, you know, leave us an iTunes review on this Final Space feed or our main feed. Any of that's ways to get in contact with us. We also have an email and stuff at overlyanimated.com. All that info's there. And, uh, yeah, we'll be taking you through, uh, this whole season of Final Space. I guess our next podcast is not going to be for a little while because this show doesn't even premiere for another week. So then it'll be the week after that. So like two weeks from this recording would be our next one. Um, and, uh, yeah, find, uh, find all that. Uh, overlyanimated.com uh, also talk about the show with us as i mentioned discord.com slash overlyanimated to talk about uh the uh final space with us i made a final space channel uh there and you can also support us via patreon patreon.com slash overlyanimated thank you very much to all of our patrons especially our patron the podcast xavier ak podcast addict and thanks as always to our patron executive producers john ryan steve alex andy and q um yeah check out a bunch of other stuff we have at overlyanimated.com um and uh yeah let us know what you thought we will see you guys next time bye chocolate